0: Hey podcast lovers, thank you for checking out this Coins Edge Media Podcast. Before we get going with this episode, we have got three audio podcasts for you to choose from. We have got Here's Rotter's Vlogs and Reviews Podcast. We have got Scheme Me Up Body. And we have got Hellmouth Hotline. So uh, you may be listening to one of the three on this episode. But if you haven't checked out the other two... I would really really appreciate it if you go over have a little listen and uh, if you enjoy them please get subscribed to them so uh, let's get going with this audio podcast that you've tuned in for. Hey guys, what's happening? Welcome along to Scheme Me Up Body. We're going to continue on with Star Trek once more. Big surprise, you've downloaded this podcast. It has a fat middle-aged agent in its artwork. Photoshopped into the the bridge of the Enterprise D. Doing one of those, hey, a bit like the space age equivalent of Fonzie from Happy Days. So, we've done the first six movies up until now. And uh, number seven, which was released in, uh, what, 94, I want to say. Um, let me just bring up my notes right here. Yes, uh, released it November 18th, 1984. Star Trek Generations, of course, we lost the numbers when we got to these movies here. We always had Star Trek with the Roman numerals. Behind it for the first six movies, but since the Next Generation cast came in, they just uh, went with uh, names, and no numbers. So this is the seventh film in the the movie franchise, and mm, this is the the handoff between the original cast to the Next Generation cast, as far as the movie school, and uh, yes. There was a lot of excitement for this movie when it was coming. I, I can remember been pretty excited myself. Because I was a huge, huge fan of the film franchise. And uh, The Next Generation was the show that as a child I remember watching on a weekly basis when it came out. So I was more, although I had always seen the classic series of Star Trek on reruns there's just something nice about being present in that original run of the next generation so whenever it came up to the point where they were getting their own movies uh was pretty exciting but in all fairness Star Trek generations I don't think I don't think there's any real middle ground with this film. You'll either love it or you'll hate it. I don't think You know, uh, yeah, there's no halfway house in this one at all, I don't think. Um, I have been in the presence of some people that have watched this movie in the last seven or eight years, and you know what? The, The pace of films these days is like miles ahead. Of what the Star Trek movies were at this point here, like newer audiences, I don't think would uh, enjoy this as much as your your hardcore fan would. But uh, I love it. It's a really, really good movie. Uh, it's not the best of the Next Generation movies, but it's a nice handover from the original cast to the new cast. So basically, um, at the beginning. Of Star Trek Generations, we start off in twenty two ninety three, and of course, Captain Kirk, and uh, Scotty and Chekhov have came as a guests of honor at the maiden voyage of the Enterprise B during a shakedown cruise, um, which is basically the Excelsior. If you remember Excelsior from the earlier movies It's basically that ship with a few redesigns and around the engineering section And uh, <laughs> I remember a guy freaking out whenever he watched the movie Because he was, I wouldn't call him a hardcore tracky But he was one of these guys that th- you know, thought he knew Absolutely everything about the movies, and he did come up with a very, very good point. Um, and the, the opening of the movie, the Enterprise B comes across this energy ribbon in space and gets you know, they're trying to save passengers from these two ships, and they get caught up in the, the gravitational well of what we later find out to be the Nexus, and uh, Kirk. Is killed. Well, according to history, he was killed in this mission trying to save Enterprise B. He went down into the engineering section of the ship to uh, work out this little gadget so that they could, you know, use a deflector dish to fire beam under this ribbon and uh, let them escape. And it's just a nice little nod to the whole classic relationship between Ham and Scotty and Scotty coming up with something on the fly that'll save the, the ship. But there's a nice little moment there, mind you, whenever the captain, the new captain for the Enterprise, B tells Captain Kirk that, you know, the bridge is yours and for one last time Kirk gets to sit down in the captain's chair of the Starship Enterprise, even though it's not his Enterprise, the new Enterprise. And, uh, you know, he thinks for a second and then he's like, you know what? Your bridge, your bridge, <laughs> your place is on the bridge of your ship. So uh he swaps places with the captain. The captain was originally going to go and do this. But to get back to the point of what this guy was pointing out, the redesign of Enterprise B down at the bottom of the ship and around the, the engineering section, there's like two, if you set it side by side with the Excelsior, the Excelsior was very, you know, just Rounded at the bottom and this one kind of came down from the neck and then came out a little bit And uh, there's just two extra sections kind of added there on either side of it down near the bottom Now that's where the the ribbon hits the ship and blasts out that section of the the hull and kirk. And to the Nexus, which will come into play later on in the film. And uh, this guy was freaking out. He said, like, Captain Kirk shouldn't have died there if they hadn't redesigned that ship. If it just looked like the original Excelsior, that beam would have just passed by the ship harmlessly and whatnot. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I suppose you had to be there. But anyway, uh, off and uh, Scotty and the new Enterprise captain come rushing down to. The engineering section and see the room where Kirk was at and just they open the door of course the force fields are there and all they can see is space whenever they walk in everything is completely destroyed no sign of Kirk as far as history is concerned that's where he died at so we skip from there to 2371 and the crew of the Enterprise D they're on the holodeck ...on a computer simulation... ...celebrating the promotion of shipmate Wharf ...to Lieutenant Commander... Uh, ...Picard... Uh, ...gets called away... He ...learns... ...that his brother and his nephew... ...have been killed in the fire... ...now if you've seen... ...The Next Generation... ...you'll know the two characters that they're talking about... ...and they... ...a bit of a strained history between... ...Picard and his brother... ...which... You know, they kind of mended fences a little bit But I don't think that he ever really, after that, got involved as much in the family And uh, now that he's found out that they're dead You know, he always considered the fact that his brother had a child That the name Picard would live on But now he's thinking, you know what, The, the bloodline, his family bloodline Is going to end with him once he dies uh, they receive a distress call from a stellar observatory where the Ilarian Dr. Tullian Sorn is uh, doing research and uh, he launches a probe to a nearby near near pie there's a new word for you he's launched a probe at a nearby star the probe causes the star to implode creating a shock wave that will destroy the planetary system um, Soren This is cutting the movie down in a big, big, bad way <coughs> Soren kidnaps Jordy, uh, and he's transported off the station to a Klingon a prey belonging to the the Duras sisters Now again, if you know Star Trek The Next Generation and uh, if memory serves now DS9 in all honesty, I'm running a, a science fiction Star Trek podcast here. You would think I'd be better <laughs> informed on a show like DS9. Like according to all reports, it's probably one of the best Star Trek series ever to be to be produced. <laughs> I cannot speak tonight. Uh, they were a pain in the backside throughout The Next Generation. And uh, they did pop up a few times in DS9 if memory serves like in you know, DS9 I kind of just skimmed the surface of that show just where I was at in life didn't get much of a chance to actually watch it whenever it was on you know the first run been aired um, uh, the Duras sisters uh, they're assisting Sauron in exchange for weapon plans basically um, Gigan is is Gainon. Gagan, where the hell do you that's that's a that's a monster from from Godzilla, Gagan. Gaynon. Uh and this is the only Star Trek movie that I think she was in. I need to think about that. Honestly, I can't remember Gainen been in any of Star Trek movies. I think she was only in this one. But she uh she tells Picard that she and Sauron were among the Alorians rescued and 2293 by the Enterprise B and that you know it starts to bring in the The two generations here, you know, they're, they're matching up the other they live for God knows how long their lifespan is, but it's a heck of a lot longer than your average human and uh Sauron is obsessed with re-entering the energy ribbon to reach the Nexus uh, which is basically an extra-dimensional realm that exists outside of normal space-time, and it's almost as if you're in heaven. You know, everything that you've, you really want, you can create there. And you know, everybody that was rescued from, the ship, at the beginning of the movie. You know, you see within the film itself that the, the life signs are fluctuating. It's because they're, they're kind of in normal space-time, but they're also in the nexus at the same time. They're on that verge. Of being in the Nexus Why they still been outside the Nexus So whenever they were saved Uh again, and she says you know for the longest time She wanted to go back But if Sauron is still Obsessed with it Like he's going to be a really Really dangerous person Time has got absolutely no meaning In the Nexus you're, you're pretty much You're in heaven You're in pure joy Essentially and uh you're existing outside of space time, so you know you're living forever, in your own perfect world. Um, so they figure out uh, the big plan by SORN is to destroy suns, basically wiping out entire star systems, and screwing about with the gravitation on on each system and moving the ribbon towards. Where he wants it to go. So he wants it to go towards the. Viridian system. Uh, so uh, there's a whole thing in this movie too. Of. Uh, Data. Getting himself the. Emotion chip. Now the. I'm trying to recall. Because it has been quite a long time. Since I watched the next generation. There was. There was a storyline of. uh like a personality chip that uh, Data's creator had built, but the, the evil robot brother of Data had uh, stolen it. And I think whenever he was finally kind of captured and they cleaned up his storyline, you know, it, there was never much more said about this emotion chip, but uh, he had originally stole it and put it under his own head and whatnot. But I would need to actually watch the series again and get that better sorted out on my dome before I start talking about it because just at the moment it sounds like I'm just talking out of my Irish, which isn't so far from the truth. Right back to generations uh, when they get to the Viridian system Picard offers himself to the Duras sisters in exchange for the forge, and but insists that he be transported to Sorn on the, the planet so he can try to ...talk him out of his fiendish plan, you know, the villainous the twirling his moustache plan... ...basically is what Sorn really is in this movie, and uh, so the Jurassic sisters agree to this all too easily, I have to say... ...but their plan is they've screwed about with Geordie's visor and uh, they put him back on board the, the ship... And their plan is to uh, figure out the the shield harmonics. Well, the like you know, the shields of the Enterprise are up because they're they're face to face with a border prey. Even though the the Enterprise far outmatches the border prey, they know this. You know, they don't want a battle with Enterprise unless they get an upper hand on it. So. They wanna find out the exact polarization or whatever you wanna call it, you know, the of the, the shields of the enterprise so that they can set their torpedoes to actually pierce the the shields and cause the maximum amount of damage possible. So when Picard's in the service, they attack. Geordi's in the ship, they get the, the details they need from engineering through his visor. They set their torpedoes and attack enterprise and uh, I wasn't expecting Enterprise to be taken out so quickly going into the next generation of movies. Now people have said that, and uh, you know, I don't see how this works. Really, they're saying the the design of the Enterprise. D looks good on television, but wouldn't really look good on uh, like cinema widescreen back in the day. Uh, that could just be some movie nerd trying to sound smart online, but bit like myself, but, uh, you know, I would have thought they would have maybe waited to the second movie, perhaps the third, like I don't think they'd be stupid enough to actually, you know, okay whenever the movie started again for the, well, originally for the, the original generation crew enterprise got destroyed in star trek free will bet free films and do that too i don't think they'd be as stupid to do something out there but i would have thought probably the second movie and uh but the the tech enterprise out in this here and uh you know fairly decent form that's like the it has been a it was a long time since i seen the Enterprise separating the saucer from the, the drive section and uh, they do that and this, uh, they they are attacked by the, the Border Parade but Enterprise takes it out and fairly short notice uh, fairly short order I should say but they have inflicted enough damage to cause a warp core breach on the Enterprise so they evacuate everyone to the saucer section and just the, the saucer is flying away from the drive section, the drive section explodes, and uh, knocks the the saucer section and the the planet's orbit, and it comes crashing to a halt on the surface of the planet. It's uh, you know it's a very, very really well done sequence in the movie, uh, awesome. But uh, Picard feels on his mission with Sauron to try and talk him out of things and uh, Sauron launches the the rocket, blows up the star in the Viridian system, takes out all the planets and uh, you see the planet exploding and then you get this shot of the saucer section of Enterprise on the surface and the the whole planet just erupting around it. We cut the black and we end up inside the Nexus Sorn succeeded, got into the Nexus, but he took Picard with him, and when Picard's in there, he comes across Guinan in the in the Nexus, and uh, she explains, you know, like, I'm not the person you knew, I'm like a, an echo of the person you know sort of a thing, a piece of her that she left behind, and uh, that's... Kind of weird in that section of the movie That this version of Guinan would Know Picard And you know Have the history joined up unless she's kind of connected To Guinan out in the real world You know you'd think After all these years have been Two parts of the one person been separated This version wouldn't know What the, the real life version Of Gainen would know But Guinan was always a character that they never really figured out There's a lot of mystery about her so basically she tells him that there's a, there's a person in the Nexus that can help him and she can't leave because she's already there, sort of a thing. And this is where Picard and Kirk get joined together in the movie. Uh, but Kirk, you know, from his point of view, you know, time doesn't exist here so basically when Picard meets him at the end of the movie, this is as far as Kirk is concerned, it's literally a split second after what happened on the Enterprise B so when he discovers what the Nexus is and the possibilities it can afford him he doesn't want to leave you know he's finally found something that you know he can be happy, he can rest and whatnot. and there's a whole load of things that you know you see this girl up in the horizon and it's a a woman that he loved years ago but he put his career in front of the relationship and one of his big regrets and whatnot but you know there's a whole horse riding sequence in this movie that I, I do believe William Shatner had to get put in there because he was a he was big into horse riding in real life and I do believe if memory serves that the horse he rides in this movie is actually his own horse in real life but there's a part where he jumps the horse over like this little gully, sort of a thing. And uh, he stops and he turns and he comes and jumps over it again. And uh, Picard comes riding up on another horse. And Kirk was like, you know, I must have jumped that a hundred times whenever I was a kid. And it scared the hell out of me every time, apart from this time, because it's not real. And this is where the, the penny starts to drop for him and, you know, he, he has the conversation of a, you know, Picard, you know, Captain of the Enterprise, close to retirement sort of a thing. And Picard's like, I'm not planning on it. And uh, Kirk's like, don't, don't let them do anything that'll take you off the bridge of that ship. Cause as long as you're there, you can make a difference. And uh, he's like, he agrees to come back with me. So it goes, you know, it sounds like it's going to be fun. And that was a big thing for Kirk. Uh, you know, everything needed a, a bit of fun to the missions and whatnot. So, of course, they're existing outside of time. So, whenever they leave the Nexus, they can return to any point in time they want. So, you know, Kirk could quite easily go back to the start of the, the Enterprise B mission at the start of the movie. ...stop himself from going into the, the nexus in the first place, but him been the, the dedicated Starfleet officer that he is... ...he accompanies Picard to the, the planet and the Verlian system just before Sauron destroys it. After Enterprise D has been, you know, written off, basically. But this time the two of them uh, join forces against Sauron... I managed to stop him, taking out the star. And uh, during which uh, Picard fighting Sauron, uh, Kirk ends up falling pretty much to, not as deaf but he's, he's critically injured at the end of the film. And uh, when Soren is defeated, uh, Picard comes to see him, and uh, Kirk is, you know, in his last moments, he's like, "Did we save? Did we? Did we get him? Did we? Did we save the planet and whatnot? Did we save? Did we save the universe?" And Picard's uh, like, "Yes, thank you so much." Sort of a deal. And uh, Kirk smiles, and he's like, "That was fun." And then he dies. Now, people would say Star Trek Five. I did say it in my podcast on it, that there's, there's the whole thing. Kirk brought up that he always knew that he was going to die alone that's why whenever he fell off the mountain at the start of Star Trek V he didn't die because he knew McCoy and Spock were both with him so one of the biggest criticisms I've heard in the past of this movie was that like, no, Kirk didn't die on his own Picard was with him but when you think about it, Kirk is out of time here. He's out of his own time period. He spent a bit of time in the Nexus. He's ended up in the future. Yes, Captain Picard was physically with him when he died. But all the people that Kirk knew and considered friends and family are long since gone. So basically, as far as the people that were alive in his time... They're all gone. So basically he's on his own. Even though he's in the future. There's so many of them. You can say. From a certain point of view. Well Star Wars this shit. From a certain point of view. He does die alone. At the end of the movie. So. Uh, there's a nice little shot. Of uh Picard standing on top of this mountain top. And uh, this mound of stones. Which is basically a little grave. That he's made for Kirk. And he sits. Kirk's little Starfleet badge on top of it he he has a moment of you know having a little memorial for him on the mountaintop and the film finishes off essentially with the the survivors of the Enterprise D getting rescued by other Starfleet vessels and they have a moment between Picard and Riker on the bridge of the destroyed Enterprise D uh you know, Picard getting some family mementos and you know photographs of his brother and his nephew, and uh, Riker saying, "You, know, I really thought I would get a shot at this chair one day." And Picard's like, "Maybe you will. Somehow, I don't think this will be the last ship to carry the name Enterprise." And, and we close out the film there. Really, this is, you know, as I did say probably not one of the stronger ones out of the series but a very enjoyable one especially if you're into the original series and uh star trek and next generation but you new know, new audiences might have a bit of a hard time of it it's a bit of a slow burn in places um 118 minutes long the budget for it was 35 million dollars which doesn't sound a lot considering the stuff that they pulled off in this movie but uh, the box office record it's given here is 180 million it made So uh, definitely a success this film And it couldn't be anything else Whenever you consider that that's a crossover movie Between the original series cast and the next generation cast uh, Something we never really expected them to do on screen You know there was a few episodes in the next generation, where you got a few cameos from original characters from the original series, you know, like uh, the first episode of the next generation has uh, Doctor McCoy in it briefly at the very beginning of it, you know, having a look about the newly named Enterprise, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'm maybe missing someone else out here, but there's an excellent, excellent episode where Scotty comes back into it and uh I can't wait to actually get to the podcast where we talk about that one because it is a nice nice episode but uh yeah I think that's gonna do it for this episode here guys. I hope you enjoyed it and uh if you have not been a big fan of the Star Trek movies I apologize for destroying it for you. Uh That's pretty much exactly what this podcast was. It was a spoiler for the series, or the movie. So uh, I should have actually said that at the very start. Um, Yes, definitely check it out. It is a good time to be had all around. And uh, stay safe, guys. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening.